all of which need their own jingles. Feel free to write it. <laughs> Loomscast, Loomscast, everybody listens to Loomscast. Loomscast.com. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't forget to buy people cards on their loom day. Yeah. Can we get sued for this? I don't think so. Lana is the president, and Narvin's loud in his dissent, and Leela has wise things to say, and they all live on Gallifrey. We're massive nerds who love this show. We have lots of opinions, though, so come on in and come to stay, and let's talk about Gallifrey. This is the pod of Rassilon. Hi, I'm Finn. My pronouns are they, them. You can follow me on Twitter at FinTip and you can follow the show at Pod of Rassilon on Tumblr, Twitter, Insta, and you can email us at thepodofrassilon at gmail.com. Joining me today, we have Chris, who uses he, him. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can follow me on Tumblr and Twitter at MedlockMadness. Scar, who uses they, them. Hi, I'm Scar, and you can follow me on Twitter at Scarlet underscore Ward. And while you're there... Please check out my film starring a certain Miles Richardson um, because we're crowdfunding for post-production funds. And it does look very cool. And finally, we've got Void, who uses they, them. Hello there. I have no idea what I'm saying, uh, but that's (laughs) nothing new. So if you would like more of these ramblings, you can follow me on Twitter at VoidlyThoughts or on Tumblr at Irving-Brexiatil. We don't have Jane with us today, but there may be some cameos in here later. We'll see. Usually we have a bit of a buffer with recording, but we've fallen a bit behind and it is currently Thanksgiving in America land. So Jane is, understandably, spending some time with her family. Turkey time. Anyway, today we are going to talk about Spirit, which is episode 2.2, also known as Gallifrey Gay Times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Super gay. Yeah. I would like to preface this with, I tried really, really hard to go into this episode and go, right, we're not looking at this from a shippy point of view. We're just sort of taking it at face value. And I got three minutes in and... Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that that really isn't a straight way of... But yeah, there's no straight interpretation of this. I think it's part of it is that like it's not just Romana and Leela going on holiday together and spending the whole episode you know the whole episode revolves around them understanding each other and coming to a better understanding but that it's also Andred is also a a big part of it and uh Leela's feelings over Andred and and so there's that that parallel of uh Leela and the other time world she trusted and then to top it off, there's also the subplot with Melian and uh, Hallen. Hallen can get in the bin. <laughs> Which is, you know, romance and one of the first um, and only glimpses we get at any uh, what romance means to Time Lords and any mention of marriages and stuff like that that we get in Gallifrey. Mm. So having those things present in the episode just makes it feel like that that parallel's definitely there yeah yeah it makes it feel in like intentional subtext even if uh who wrote this episode again it was ellen barnes i believe isn't it a sheer gold one 
No, I think it's because we were talking about it when we were listening to um, Square One. I will check. Stephen Cole. Okay. I knew it began with an S. It's the yes. guy who wrote Square One. Oh, okay. I just couldn't remember who wrote Square One then. Yeah. And Fractures as well. Huh. The very first thing that happens is is basically is Romana drags Leela to her, to her office. It's not, not her even her office. office. It's, it's her, her quarters. Yeah, it's her rooms. It's her chambers. It's her rooms. Yeah. 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 And the first thing they do is have a fight over Andred. Yeah. By way of asking Leela on a date. Yeah, and yeah. she's and and Romana actually goes still, you know, like you know, are you really still pining for him? Yeah, I'm right here, <laughs> yeah. Leela. It's been a week. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of really, really good strong lines in that scene. Even just just that opening scene. I cannot grasp the games you play with people in their lives, mm. and I do not wish to. It's very good. Just kind of like Leela sort of like separating herself from the, the way that Gallifreyans approach things. Which again is echoed with the Hallen and Melian thing. Except it actually turns out that Melian's the one playing with Hallen. And... Yeah. Yeah. Which is extremely good. Yeah. And Leela doesn't like that either. Which I think it makes it more of a focus on like this is who Leela is as a person. Rather than like oh Leela's a human and she's too stupid to understand it. Or any of that kind of thing. Yeah, Leela disapproves of... Or she says something like, you can't trust anyone these days, kind of thing. And just that, obviously, the broken man stuff ends up being a big part of the plot of later episodes. But it feels really nice that the season kind of takes a step away from all of the politics of the capital and just spends an episode really focused on not just Leela Romana's um, relationship, but how Leela feels on Gallifrey and how isolated she can feel on this planet of people who do not appreciate her. Nobody on Gallifrey appreciates Leela enough. Absolutely not. Even the people who are decent to her don't appreciate her enough and don't think enough of her. And they don't really think about how hostile the planet is to her. Like, like taking the whole, you know, anti-alien stuff as you know the allegory for racism like there's some really serious racism on Gallifrey like it's clear that some or a lot of time lords just don't see humans as really people or not people in the same way that time lords are. Leela's always very fierce about advocating for herself but not a very nice situation to be in. No. Definitely not. It is reinforced by the way Helen is talking in this one. Yeah. Mm. I mean, at the end, he says that he shamed himself. He's... And it's like, yeah, you have, but well, not, not for the reasons that you think. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's it's really repulsive. I mean, that's how privilege works, isn't mm. it? You know, yeah. that that all these Time Lords, even the ones who care about Leela, who, who love her, who, who want her to feel safe with them, don't realise that, as you said, the planet is hostile to her. They're just things that they're blind to because it's never affected them. TLDR, get off your damn high horses. The lot of you. Yeah, and, the, and now the, I'm thinking about the White Charger scene. <laughs> we, we haven't reached that season yet. We don't know anything about that yet. I know, I know. But it's such a good White Charger. <laughs> that, does that mean that Brax is a White Knight? <laughs> no, we can't go down this path. Right, okay. Chris, you were saying something. Leela says to Romana that basically, Romana, you've got big brain and, and I don't understand how your how your mind works 
like you said, you. I mean, yeah, this is the scene where. <laughs> this is the scene where she starts off by calling her a valuable asset. Oh, Jesus. And uh, and then eventually concedes that she's a friend, and you're just like, oh, Romana, please. But you know, that's an illustration of, of Leela saying to Romana, look, even the people I think of as, as friends, I don't understand how, you, how your minds work. And that must be very... That must must make her feel very isolated. And she'd have had that with Andrew as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because there would have been that at a level, you know, where there's that part of him, the highborn Time Lord part of him, that is always closed off to her. I think about that. That's definitely part of it. But I also think on an individual level, a lot of it comes down to Leela and Romana communicating affection in different ways. Because I think, like, Leela very much wants to be told she's appreciated, that, you know, she wants Romana to to, to say, we're friends, or I care about you. Whereas Romana, in this episode, sort of makes a lot of gestures to try to show Leela that Mm. she cares about her. Like, you know, Leela says, I'm tired of being on Gallifrey, so Romana goes, Well, let's go. Right, well, let's go then. Maybe not in the best way, but (laughs) Leela communicates a need, and Romana thinks, right, well, I can do something about that. And that's the the thing with the homoerotic chair throwing. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very distinct thing about the homoerotic chair throwing. So we're on to that scene already, but... As if that scene was not going to be a main focus of this episode. It's a classic sort of a so-called, in inverted commas, good girl, showing the, in inverted commas, naughty girl. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, look, I can be naughty too, and I can do unexpected things too, and it's a little, it, it's too much. It's Romana going, what can I do to make her think that I'm spontaneous and exciting and not <laughs> the lady president all the time? I know, I'll throw a chair through the window. So it is, it's classic, like, see, look, I'm, I'm great. I, I mean, it's adorable, but it's, you know. Yeah, I do love that scene. And also, does this mean that Leela then picks up that, like, threatening people with chairs is, I love you in Time Lord, or? Maybe. (laughs) Just a a thing to think about in relation to certain future events. Yeah, you know, maybe it'll come up again. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But also in that scene, Romani, you cannot keep treating domestic staff like this. You can't do it. Honestly, any kind of stuff. Well, yeah, she did it with the waiter, you know, she does it with the servitors, and it's like, yeah, okay, they're just robots, but so is K-9, you know? She does it with any kind of staff, yeah. But it's, it's really that kind of rich person in a hotel, the domestic staff are just there to clean up after you in a very kind of, like, dismissive way. It's not like, oh, they're, like, staff members and they get paid to be here and to do a job, and they are human beings, or people, anyway. She's just kind of, like... Yeah, no, just do whatever. Clean up after me. You're just furniture. You can't You can't do that. Yes, it's their job to clean up after you, but like, right, you put your stuff in the bin when you leave McDonald's. Romana is one of those people who would not. Well, it's, it's about not making it unnecessarily harder for them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even with her other stuff, we've, we've talked about this before, Romana would be a terrible boss. Yeah. Uh, in this one, there's a scene where Romana and Leela... They're out in the wilderness, they've just had some food, they're talking, and they hear a helicopter. Well, it sounds like a helicopter, some sort of sci-fi helicopter. A space helicopter. It's a space helicopter. <laughs> and they hear this in the distance, and it, it's Helen in there, and when he gets close, 
Romana shouts to him, Commander Helen, you're an imbecile. Yeah, that was very much a Harry Sullivan reference, but it, yes, it it's bad. Yeah. It I mean, like, Romana, like, I get it, you're annoyed, your day was interrupted, things were going better than they were at the start of it, but, like, you can't speak to your employees like that, that's not okay. I mean, he deserves it, you know, because he's an ass, but, you know... <laughs> what still? I mean, still, yeah. from, like so, someone give Romana some sort of like management training. <laughs> management training, like <laughs> someone contact HR. Uh, they do not have HR on Gallifrey. They absolutely no. do not. Oh no, no. They do apparently have legal recourse to remove people from office, though. On that point, I have to hold my hand up and say this has been my username in the podcast chat for like several weeks at this point. I agreed with Darkle on a thing and immediately like I found myself agreeing with her and I was like yeah she's got a point I was like what am I doing <laughs> why am I agreeing with Darkle even Narvin is defending Romana and I'm agreeing with Darkle what is going on here but yeah her whole Gallifrey is at risk of government by dictator with no well that's Narvin's line but with no legal recourse to remove her from office that whole exchange there they do have an ineffective president who can't do the job basically can't look after Gallifrey like she's supposed to be doing even if she's doing it in her own way she's not there she's not present and it puts Gallifrey at risk and instead of like coming forward and being like right this is what's happening we're going to deal with it and then it'll be fine again it's Brax basically it's Brax being sent to clean up after it oh you know the president is guided by sound and liberal principles and everything like that she doesn't want to become imperiatrix of Gallifrey yeah, which foreshadowing ass. yeah even if yes in terms of values and opinions and everything else, Romana is clearly the better person. But she's also not fit to be in that position at that time. I mean, maybe not. Like, she's not unfit, but there's clearly a danger that they're just covering up. And, like, it's just when you're thinking about it from a real-world perspective, if the head of the government of your country did that, you would probably also agree with the person who was going, actually, no. And there's also the thing about the fact that she's not able to access the Matrix. Which yeah, that's what they're on about. And you just kind yeah. of like, this is... It's the equivalent of the president being incapacitated to a certain extent. Well, it's like Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, caught COVID. He was in hospital for a week and couldn't do his job or anything like that and was recovering and everything. And no, we we didn't have someone in charge for weeks. We don't have a, because we don't have a written constitution. I mean, we do. It's complicated. But yeah, we didn't have somebody in charge and things went very badly wrong. Well, from very badly wrong to even worse wrong. And it's not a good position to be in. You know, we didn't have a deputy. We didn't have somebody to step up while our the, the leader of the country was too ill to do the job. Um, and that's a similar position to what Romana's in. She doesn't have a VP. And instead of being like, okay, well, maybe I need a VP or maybe I need somebody to step in and like actually take on the role for a little bit. She's like, no, already she is clinging to being the president. She doesn't want to stop being the president, no matter what the circumstances. Like she says about trying to look after a planet and basically look after a position. Listen, Narvin was right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because the first time you listen to it, you have the bias of, Romana is the protagonist and you're kind of conditioned by fiction to identify with the protagonist and they're the one you see the most of, you you get given their thoughts more than any other character so you just kind of instinctively think 
they must be right or what they want is what will be good. And then when you're re-listening to it, you're biased in the other direction because you know where it eventually ends up. Yeah, it's, it's because you have the hindsight. Yeah. Because the first time around, again, you think she's a protagonist, but it's also the fact that she does have the more compassionate politics. And that means that you think, well, yeah, she's doing it for a good reason. And it's not until you kind of know what the consequences are that you sort of see like all of those little, the foreshadowing is what you see. Right, like something like that would be not good without the foresight of what happens a few episodes later but with that you're just sitting there like mana stop stop now no actually stop five minutes ago I mean, it's, right, it's the line right at the beginning of the episode. Brax saying you must know that Romana has no wish to become imperiatrix of Gallifrey and spoilers <laughs> <laughs> you know uh... before I forget it we're talking about the reference to Harry Sullivan. There is another classic Who reference early on in this, specifically the Leisure Hive, because they go for a walk along the beach and Romana comments it's a good thing they don't have the canines with them because uh, Brighton went so well. <laughs> for anyone who might not have seen that, would you like to very briefly describe what happened? Romana, the Doctor and Canine go to a leisure planet for a holiday and Romana's in a, in a very sort of fetching old-fashioned sailor girl type outfit with a beach ball on a shingle beach with canine and uh, playing fetch with the uh, with the beach ball and she throws the beach ball and the beach ball goes in the sea and she said fetch to canine basically canine just drives straight into the water and blows up with an actual explosion yeah with a fairly impressive explosion his control console goes poof so it is very clearly a Leisure Hive reference. Probably the last time Ramona had a holiday. If you're not counting her fun holiday with the Daleks. Yeah, well, I was going to say. No, there is that. Which, if you haven't listened to that episode, you really, really should. <laughs> it's very good. I mean, it's not required, but it's just extremely good. It, it gives a lot of extra depth to some of the stuff that happens in season six as well. Also, it's worth noting that in behind-the-scenes interviews, Lala Ward is always complaining about canine as a physical prop and the problems that come with that. Yeah, yeah, that as well, which is one of the reasons that he gets blown up or disabled or just not in episodes a lot of the time. Oh, he's got laryngitis and has to stay in the TARDIS. Yes, the time canine got laryngitis and then recovered with a totally new voice, because that is a common side effect of have, getting laryngitis. Yeah. And no one can replace John Neeson, of course. Yeah. Chris can. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this last time. Chris's canine impressions are great. Yeah. <laughs> there are none in this one, though. He's not here, so, yeah, so we'll save that. Until he's well and truly under air. Pandora's influence, shall we say. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. The arrival of these two on Davidia, Leela's rather uber Leela in her descriptions of, of the landscape. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a bit full on, really. I know she can be a bit like that, but it really sort of hammers the point home for later on. And Romana mixed up with Leela is even more false. <laughs> it just feels like the writers making Leela talk like that when they actually get there it just sort of kind of feels like they're hammering the point home quite strongly for, so that later on you're like 
It's a bit too obvious, is how it feels. I don't like what they did with Romana picking up Leela's speech habit the way that she did. It is a little bit. It's very patronising. Yeah. Towards Leela? Towards people who speak... Well, it's Leela is not speaking her own first language, and that's why she's speaking that way. It's half headcanon, half canon, is what we sort of established here, but it's, it's very patronising, and I think they could have shown it... Well, not shown it, specifically they... They obviously did it to indicate in an audio-only medium that there was some sort of change happening here. But I don't think they needed to do it in that specific way. Or at least not quite that heavily. No. Like, it's not the metaphors for me or sort of the way of thinking differently. It's very much the picking up and the... The lack of contractions and stuff. The, yeah. the lack of contractions, the speaking slowly. Yeah, that's my issue with it. Because Ravana is presumably still speaking her own first language. Mm-hmm. Presumably. It objectifies her a little bit as well. Because she's sort of like, oh, I've never been so aware of my body. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just a surprisingly good impression of the inflection. Yeah. So intoxicating. Yeah. It does that as well, which, you know borders on the icky maybe and even Leela Leela Romana you know, this, is how I, this is how I refer to them in, in, in my notes Romana Leela and Leela Romana okay but um, which one's which what, Romana, are, we, are we like Leela exclamation mark Romana or Leela hyphen Romana because those are two different things <laughs> no so 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 Romana Leela being Romana channeling Leela Right. And Leela Romana, Leela channeling Romana is how I right, okay. wrote it in my notes. So even Leela Romana actually says, uh, oh, do get a grip. It's almost like she does it a couple of times, actually, where it's just more or less like, oh, belt up. Yeah. And like, I can kind of see it coming from the angle of this is really overwhelming for Romana. Yeah. But they didn't need to do the thing with the speech patterns. Leela copes better with it. With the whole yeah, thing. definitely. Than Romana does. And if we're being kind to the writers, maybe that's because because we're told again at the start of the episode as well, just in case we hadn't hadn't forgotten, you know, that twice actually at the start of the episode, um, Brax and Narvin as well. Leela is intelligent, just not educated. And maybe that's why she does cope with it better. That she is intelligent and actually all that is happening to her in some ways, knowledge is being plugged into that intelligence, so she deals with it better. Whereas Romana isn't used to... Emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence. Isn't used to it at all. So Leela copes better. Now, there's a reading of that that says, let's let's be kind and sort of say that that's a compliment to Leela. But for an episode that deals quite well with displaying how how horrendous sexism is in the form of Helen, who's quite a fairly obvious pastiche really. There's a bit of the other side of it where you sort of go, uh, it, it kind of devalues that emotional intelligence to a certain extent. And it also kind of implies that it's a womanly thing as well. So it feels a bit clumsily done in some in some ways. It's a great device, you know, the whole body switch thing. It's, you know, it's not quite a body switch, but it's a jumble. 
I do kind of like the fact that it's not a full switch. It's not a full switch. It's a jumble, but it feels some of it's played really well. Some of it's kind of botched a bit. Yeah, I think it's in the title song. We love this show. Yeah, please don't ever think that we're sat here bashing it because we're no. like, oh, it's terrible. We're, we're doing this from a place of love that we're pointing out all these things where we're being like, yeah. if this was just a little bit different, the episode would have been so much better. Or, you yeah. know, saying like, this was an unfortunate implication. We don't think it was intentional. Like the thing with the speech pattern, I don't think that was intentional, but it's still unfortunate. And I don't think it's the kindest way of doing that. And you often overanalyze the things that you love. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. And, and the thing that you've listened to several times. And don't get me wrong, there's some laugh out loud moments in, in all of it. There's some lines in it that I would not change for the world. You know, particularly, oh, Prax, I can speak to Prax. His face shines out of a box in my rooms. <laughs> yeah, you know? on that note, <laughs> I have to say, they're going on instinct, right? Yeah. Leela's instinct is to trust the Chancery. Mm. And Romana's instinct is Brax. Even though she's mad at him after lies, and yeah. this continues to yeah. be a thing into season four, even in the far future, right? Romana's thing is Brax will fix it. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Rational Romana knows that Leela is the better partner. You know, the better she doesn't have friends, she has close acquaintances or valuable what, assets valuable assets wh- whatever whatever these people are to her rational Romana knows that Leela is the right choice Romana when her instincts and her judgement and her when she's not thinking straight when she's got her imperiatrix head on then it becomes Brax and it uh, and that sort of turns back into the whole um, the idea that if they ever properly got it together then they'd be dangerous you know what, Romana and Brax? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a whole AU about that. Uh, it, yeah, do, do yeah. not get Finn and I started on that, because that would t- turn into the Let's Talk About Evil AU podcast. So I actually wrote down, Rational Romana knows Lena is a better partner, but Wild Romana wants Brax. Uh, and she does it in front of, her, of Leela as well, or in front of Leela Romana. And I think that's one of the points at which Lena Romana goes. I like the term wild Romana. (laughs) (laughs) A Romana in her natural habitat. Indeed. (laughs) We've kind of got away from it now, but I'm very torn about that that Brex line, because on the one hand, the part of me that's sort of analysing the episode is going, this is good foreshadowing for what happens in the next episode. I mean, that's kind of where... Romana's trust in Brex starts to sort of fall apart and the fact that you know she's in this very vulnerable state and she's in a crisis and her first response is to turn to him it makes that more impactful and the shabby part of me is just going eh, good <laughs> yeah, two agree. wolves inside my brain and one is going oh no and the other one is going oh no but more in an oh yes way <laughs> <laughs> Anything, you don't need to leave that in. I just, I'm just here for the memes. Oh no, I am absolutely leaving that in. Y'all gave me the power to choose. <laughs> I never said I would choose wisely. I knew you would. I only cut the bits out where I embarrass myself. That's not true either. But yeah, yeah, Romana's 
Romana's instinct being to go to Brax. I mean, Leela's already there, right? It's Romana and Leela need help. And Romana's instinct is Brax will fix it because that's what he does. Mm. And it continues to be what he always does, including apparently... No, I can't say it. It's spoilers. We are Look, recording just... this on the 28th of November 2020. To those who are up to date on things, you'll know what Finn is thinking about. They've just released the Time War 4 stuff uh, and episode synopsis and the trailer. And I am very many emotions about things. Everything will be fine. They're all going to retire to the country and love him will get to keep his chickens. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> Other Narvin things that have happened recently. Sean's grandfather, Clark. Yeah, that was I great. don't know if everybody's watched that yet. Oh, it's hilarious. In fact, I am going to link it in the chat because I need people to see it. He posted this like two days ago and... It's great. It's so stupid. It's so silly. <laughs> Something about hearing him do his Narvin voice with video yeah. is just so disconcerting. <laughs> it is a little bit, right? Do you think he gets a headache after a few hours of doing Narvin because he's happy to increase his brow? Because so <laughs> he has to look so grumpy. Because he has to sort of like <laughs> squint a bit and, and be like... The dangers of method acting. Indeed. I know. Yes. Yeah. Just makes me wonder if he walks around his house making Narvin comments all oh, the time. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. You know, if that's He makes references on Twitter often enough. Yeah. I mean, also now I'm just, I'm curious about this, this verse, this grandfather clock verse. Presumably, Romana and Narvin are living together. Well, maybe this is post-Time War 4. Yeah, that's what they're doing post-Time War 4. You're, you're right, Finn. <laughs> they they live there and they have this grandfather clock. Well, it's a deadly assassin thing, isn't it? The Master's Tardis is a grandfather clock. Thank you for reminding me of that because I have watched that the assassin many times and I have zero recollection of that. It's right at the end where they're all like, oh, the Master is dead. And then... You see the door to this grandfather clock closing. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I remember. Thank you. And then the gay old men are like, well, I guess he did survive. Dun, dun, dun. Out into the universe. Yeah. No, it just, it's very funny. And I would appreciate it if he did more of that kind of silly thing, because it's very good. I don't know if he understands the power he wields, but... (laughs) Speaking of references, I think we're going to get to the yellow fruit scene eventually. Yes. And this is how I'm choosing to segue into it. You know Romana is saying, typically fruit and paradise don't mix. I mean, mm. right, we know that she is, she's referencing the... Um, Genesis, isn't it? Yeah. I don't remember what it is in English. She is referencing the Bible. Yes. How does Romana know? How well, does she know to make that reference? Well, they're observers, aren't they? It's entirely plausible. Uh, and we also know that Gallifreyans can speed read as well. That's true. So, you know, so it's entirely plausible that either during a time pre-Doctor or I would imagine the Doctor has every religious text lying around in the library. It makes the sense. Times. They tend to you know, have a lot of sort of historical significance. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think I'm just being pedantic for the sake of it. Not saying that she shouldn't know it, just it's another one of those, like, when they make an 
a very British reference. Yeah. Where you're being like, well, I just want to point out that this is not a, a universal thing. And this was very clearly made with the Earth audience in mind, with the primarily British audience in mind. Otherwise, it would have been a reference to the worshipful and ancient Laura Gallagher. Yeah, it's a problem with sci-fi in that you, if you have like, if you reference the law instead, the audience already has to know the law, otherwise it won't make sense to the audience. Which I experienced recently in trying to play Destiny, which is a really great example of why you don't drop people in the deep end without explaining anything. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Who has the thing of there is so much law that sometimes a lot of the time you can't get away with you know making those kinds of references like Rassilon and Omega instead of swearing to God or whatever like but things like that or references to the old times that kind of thing like we know Gallifreying board games like Sepulchasm and all the different Gallif kinds of Gallifreyan birds but sometimes you end up just having Earth references instead and I said it while I was on mute so you didn't hear me but Void I wanted to know what it is in Danish <laughs> Biblical story involving fruits in paradise yeah would be synifel which means right. the sinful listen we like our compound words yeah of course it does and what is the purpose of language if not to make compound words making new words for things yeah, making new words out of old words. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So you can also learn language facts <laughs> on the podcast of Rassilon. We are educational. Yeah. Maybe we should make that a, a, a bi-weekly segment. <laughs> learn Danish with void through the medium <laughs> of Gallifrey. Choose your favourite <laughs> words to teach us. I think it, needs, I think it also needs its, little, its own little introduction jingle as well. Some fun words for you today. Hey, does the first of April fall on a Wednesday next year, by chance? <laughs> I do an entire podcast solo and it is all in Danish. Oh no, it's a Thursday. Oh well, pity then we can't do that. <laughs> Maybe the year after, we'll see. <laughs> What's canine in Danish? Like the word, not the character. Well, that's tricky because we don't really use that word. You just have dog? In most contexts, yes. Like, I can't think of a context where we would use canine. I guess it is kind of Latin that we've just co-opted. Yeah. A lot of the, like, you would, a canine tooth or a police dogs would be canine units or I'm trying to think of anything else with that word in it right now and... The only thing I can think is like when you're describing canines as a group, like not just yeah. dogs, but other other animals that fall into the canine group is the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And as for canine teeth, I call it something else in Danish. Um, I don't remember what it is. We, I just call them vampire teeth. <laughs> it's what they are. They are vampire teeth. Nobody wake the great vampire. Wait, isn't it just corner teeth? I'm pretty sure it's just corner teeth. <laughs> of course it is. You could teach us what great vampire is in Danish. That would be a well. That would depend on how I want to translate great, because that oh, this is a complex one. <laughs> the implication isn't. isn't good. More like great and powerful, terrifying. Yeah, great. So I'm wondering if I should go for mighty, which would be a mighty vampire, or if it's more of a grand vampire, as in a title that would be a store vampire. 
Which just means big of empire. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of those. There's not the same degree of regional difference. Like there is a lot of regional difference in America that a lot of people sort of gloss over, but it's not anywhere to the same degree that it is even just in England. Yeah. Obviously, I can't speak for other countries in Europe for like the sort of dialect differences in very small areas. There's a village that I used to live in where three miles down the road, people genuinely couldn't really understand each other because the local accents were so different, which is wild. And also why sci-fi universal translator concepts are bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Because if people speak in the same language from the same place, can't understand each other, how in the hell is a universal translator supposed to work? Um, this we is are not Gallifrey. <laughs> very far off on this tangent. Like, speaking of places that have bad higher education, Gallifrey. Do we yes, want to let's, talk? Let's, let's uh, complain about the academy instead. No, that's a different episode. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the yellow fruit scene? Yes, that was that's what we were getting to. Yes. Um and I feel like we've all been putting it off because there are some issues with it. But also, um this is the one where I have a lot of notes from one of our listeners, which I thought might be really interesting for us to I'm not gonna read them all because there's like two thousand words and I will share it with the rest of the podcast later because there's some really good thoughts in it, but uh, it will take me a long time to read two thousand words out loud. So for a preface for this, I'm an atheist, um, and I'm pretty sure everybody else on the call is as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sort of agnostic, really. But, yeah, you know, but somewhere between atheist some, and agnostic. Yeah. Yep. When you brought up Catholic, you know, it's kind of scored into your soul, you know. Well, there you go. So, yeah, but, you know, my natural instinct is, is towards the jewelry maker being a blind one. Okay. I had a terrible phase as a 12-year-old where I liked Richard Dawkins. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, whether, you, whether you're an atheist or not, Richard Dawkins is a terrible person. Lala, mm. I know who you were married to when this episode came out. I know, right? Yeah. But he's not a nice person on a number of levels. Yeah. Yes, go, at least you were 12 when you had a, a face <laughs> where you liked him. <laughs> I, I can be forgiven. I'm sorry. Below the age of responsibility. <laughs> Below the age of being able to marry people like Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Lala, I'm sorry. I'm glad you got out of it. As if she's ever going to listen to I know, I know. I'd be terrified still, if she did. If it ever made it to her, we just... Yeah. This is millennial humour. <laughs> Don't stop talking about memes, you'll get angry. <laughs> like I invented the meme and they've all taken it the wrong way. That's not what it means. <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah, he. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the he... phrase is is his the word or whatever. A meme in his sort of thing is sort of a um. If if I understand it correctly, is kind of just a shared idea, and it's it's very much become sort of like an inside joke that millions of people are in on is what it means today. When you yeah, language changes and evolves. You can't own a word no no but he gets really kind of like twitchy about it 
But yeah, so Dawkins is an ass and needs to stop talking about literally anything. Yeah, this this brand of aggressive atheism is... It's not fair, it's not cool, don't do it. It's not cool, it's not good, it's not kind. It doesn't make you a better person because you don't believe in something. And it most certainly doesn't make you smarter. No, if anything it makes you less smart because you're not open to like... Oh, hey, other people have different interpretations of things, and that's cool. You know, there's a bajillion different religions. They all, there's no one kind of like binding thing among them because they're all different. The only thing that really binds most religions together is that it's a form of spirituality, right? It's a way of understanding the world around you. And it means a lot to a lot of people, and being an ass about that is not okay. End of story. But yeah, so one of our listeners, Rowan, has sent a bunch of notes over and what's been said is when i speak of religion here i'm speaking of my experiences as a christian i can't say how people from minority or other religions would interpret this scene and when i use the word religion instead of christianity it's as a shorthand to understand how i feel a general belief in higher power impacts me in scientific spaces and is not me lumping minority religions in with christianity so just a disclaimer that they wanted putting in so before i read rowan's notes what do everybody else think about I just thought it would be interesting to have a different um, viewpoint on it. Definitely. I mean, when we are encouraging people to ride us... We do mean it. We do mean it, but especially if you think you have a perspective that we don't, and you want us to talk about that, or you just want us to sort of be a platform for you to express that... Yeah, definitely. We would love to do that. Unless it's like a shitty opinion, like if you're being like, actually, I think immigrants are all bad people, or... Then stop listening and get in the bin. Yeah, please, genuinely, please leave. Yeah. But if it's if you have an opinion, maybe it's based on a part of your identity that that isn't part of any of our identities, or maybe it's just that you there's something you thought of that we didn't, and you want us to hear about it, or you maybe you think actually Arcadian isn't Brex, he is Matthias. That was the point I was going to go with. <laughs> Was it that exactly that? Yes. <laughs> Same brain. Yeah. Finn and I share one brain. This is a known fact. But yeah, if if you have anything like that, please tell us. Because we're really, really interested. Again, you can get in touch with us on most social media places at Pod of Rassilon, or you can email us at thepodofrassilon at gmail.com. Wow, that almost sounded professional. Yes, so back to the yellow fruit. I think Romana's behavior is profoundly uncool it's very disrespectful of lena you you can absolutely try to educate someone without trying to take their beliefs from them like she could have even if she was stood there wanting to teach lena about evolution there was a way of doing that without being like the way you think about it is wrong here's the correct way yeah and like you know Science and religion can coexist. Yeah, I mean that even there are a lot of ways where, where yeah, like they can coexist. Where, like obviously this, like this, this story is being told from a very kind of like Christian one God perspective, because that's the easy one to reach for, like Christian based faiths and things like that, and um, the whole like binding spirit thing. But yeah, like that can coexist with you know an understanding of evolution or just science in general or you know oh the big bang well like there's nothing to say that whichever you know religion you belong to that that can't be influenced by that kind of thing 
or even something like evolution like yeah um, it, it there's nothing to say that that's not how it started or that there wasn't um yeah edge room make a guiding it that's yeah. it's just so the way Romana so deals with it is with really distasteful it's yeah it's it's disrespectful like it's the kind of thing i would have said when i was 15 and thought that was very much sort of persuaded by my stepdad who is a big fan of dawkins that oh these poor religious people they need to be taught better thankfully i have stopped being like that uh, <laughs> and learned to not be an ass but i think it's worth saying that it is in character of romana to be like that like even though she she thinks she's like this very progressive gallifreyan and you know knows so much more than everyone else because she's actually seen the universe from an in-universe perspective it's a good way of seeing that she still has her biases and still comes at things from the perspective of she's right and people who believe different things are just wrong and she should try and correct them. Oh, definitely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a very good character flaw to have. I think they, it is a character flaw and they, I just, sometimes I think they could maybe, it is shown as a flaw, but not always for the reasons that I think it should be. Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say that, like, the framing of the narrative and... I mean, I think overall Romana is played, uh, is shown to be the one in the wrong in that scene. Very much so, so. I'm not complaining about it. I think sometimes they just... My problem is actually more with Leela's reaction, I think. It would have been nice if they'd kind of explored what Leela's actual religion would be, because, you know, she comes yes. from a, a very different and specific place. Which is a really interesting background, and I do wish we got to see more of that. Yeah. Definitely. Rather than just defaulting... Rather than just... Rather than just mm. defaulting to this, like, pseudo-Christian spiritualism thing, if they committed to giving me, like, an actual distinct religion of the server team, and how that, obviously, because it's the server team, it might be, like, some warped this game of whispers with an actual earth religion because that's what a lot of their culture ended up being that would have been interesting and obviously i mean it's 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 easy to see why they can't just do that because this is a franchise that's has you know hundreds of writers involved and with anything like that it's hard to just you know make one definitive choice that's why yeah. we end up with so many conflicting things in the in the eu in the extended universe I was oh, really mean... confused for a second. Yes, that's why we end up with so many conflicting things in the European Union, because there are so many Doctor Who writers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, in the extended universe. Um... Yes, the uh, six billion explanations for why Romana regenerated like that. I, I promise not to start listing them all. <laughs> I think with... with... It would have been great if, if we just got something definitive about Leela's, her religion, her spiritual beliefs, her culture there, other than just a little bit of like, well, there's some kind of spirit, you know, like if she just talked a bit about it, because typically, you know, spirits will have particular, might have names or dominions or myths attached to them. And it would have been great to maybe hear that myth. 
but I also think, let's see, where do I have that? Where I have that. I'm a bit sad because I think I would have liked to actually have Leela sort of. Leela is obviously in a very bad place emotionally right now, uh, which is understandable given everything that's happened. But I think she's taking out, like in that scene, she takes out her frustration about that on Ramada and not her frustration about the very inconsiderate things Ramana has just said. And I mean, that is, I suppose, a very human response, isn't it? Like, you know, sometimes things boil over, um, but, well, you know, it's not the last straw that breaks the camel's back, it's all the ones before it. Yeah, no, definitely. There's just like, there's so much going on. I am very interested in hearing uh, Roman's thoughts about this. I was just about to say, like, there is so much going on in this change, and like, I almost don't feel like, not qualified, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I am an atheist, you know, I went to church when I was little until I was about five and then decided I didn't like it. And I've never stepped in one since except to like visit pretty buildings. So like I'm kind of almost out of my depth with this a little bit. So Rowan's given us some really interesting stuff here. And like I said, I'm not going to read all of it. If Rowan is okay with it, I might post it somewhere with the opportunity to like clear it up a little bit because it's really interesting and there's a lot of like deep takes on it. So here's what Rowan says. The way Romana is so adamant about Leela's belief being nonsensical, I had a stronger reaction to it this time, but I think that's because I actually went into this thinking about how it applies to faith. Romana being so insistent that Leela believing in the binding spirit makes me flinch because it reminds me way too much of anti-theistic people and those interactions. They're not fun. And part of me is like, no, bad Gallifrey writers. Romana should be more compassionate after visiting so many different cultures with her time with the Doctor. Grr. But then there's another part of me that feels weirdly validated by it because it's made clear that her extreme anti-theistic views are hurtful and it's just like, ah, so I'm not overreacting when people go after my belief in my God, smiley face. Um, which is kind of what we were saying earlier. Yeah, th- thank you for that input. It's interesting and it's appreciated. Yeah. Religion is not some antiquated grout of it thing. It's a way of finding deep spiritual fulfillment and we can still believe scientific fact. Some stuff about uh, that's when religion versus science starts when really it should be religion and science. Um, there's also back to Leela appreciating beauty for beauty's sake. I really like that. There's just something so exciting about simple beauty. And I think Louise Jameson did such a good job just portraying that feeling. It's just, I don't know how to describe it. When you look at something beautiful with no expectations other than to enjoy and marvel at its beauty, to me, it feels like being connected with something deep inside of yourself. And it's just so happy, flappingly wonderful. What an amazing phrase. (laughs) As an artist and someone who's deeply emotional, I know that feeling well. I also feel it relates back to my faith and the joy that comes from simply enjoying something that God made with no other expectations except to enjoy it and praise him for it. There's a spiritual fulfillment that comes with simply enjoying beauty, I think. Um... Some stuff about the Genesis 2 reference, about the fruit and paradise don't mix thing. From a biblical slash theological perspective, that sin in Genesis 2 is the sin of pride. The serpent tempted Eve, Eve, that's a different religion. Um, (laughs) The serpent (laughs) tempted Eve with, well, you want to be like God, don't you? Eat the fruit. And why does someone want to be like God? Answer, pride. And then the audio goes straight into the two fighting because they're too proud to admit that the other has valid beliefs and are just I don't know if that was intentional but I just love it and there's also I know what I hold, hold to be true no one may shake that truth from me not with all the learning and cleverness in the universe this line just means so much because I think a lot of non-religious people are like you choose what you believe and what you believe is bad and it's just like for more things I would agree you can choose to believe in homophobia ableism racism and other forms of bigotry but when it comes to religious belief there's less of a choice of what you believe because it's a belief that comes from so deep inside of you that it's not just something you can quote grow out of and to be honest you don't need to grow out of like you can with bigoted beliefs 
And the line is something I feel so deeply because while I know that not everyone will believe the same thing as me, I know what I know to be true and no one can take that from me. If it's to go, I'll have to give it up myself and I have no intention of doing that. But yeah, there's some really good stuff in here and I really, really appreciate Rowan sending it in. I'd definitely love to read that. Yeah, yeah, I'll pass it on. I mean, again, like, thank you, Rowan. The The view that you have there of humanity in general, which is rooted in your religion, is one that I find very heartwarming. Is, does that sound mm. condescending? Because I don't want it to. The, the thing that I really sort of do wholeheartedly agree with is the, the idea that appreciating a beautiful thing is a spiritual, feels very spiritual. And that absolutely is, you know, I, I, I agree with that. In the rare occasions that I do get some time off work, you know, in the before time, and that, you know, I'm not in California <laughs> or somewhere, then very often I will go, I tend to go to the same places. So I go, I go up into the Pennines, into the Peak District, which is the, um, the national park, which is sort of above Manchester, so between Manchester and, and Sheffield. And I go to the same places and I go back to the places that I, I went to as a child with my grandparents because they are they're very beautiful places. And they're very and they're places where I can sit and, and, and just look out across across the Cheshire Plain. Yeah, and I just feel good and, and derive a sense of spiritual you know, satisfaction for that. It's a place I went after after my, my brother died, you know, because I just felt I had to be, I don't know, close to something that I found beautiful and spiritual to look at and, or, or to be in. So that's absolutely true. I mean, that is, there's a connection there, you know, to their faith, which, which I only really sort of share in an abstract sense, you know, when we're sort of talking about, well, you know, a connection to something bigger. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective for me because I am very rational about everything. I can see where Romana is coming from. You know, like I said, like when I was younger, like an idiot teenager who thought I was right about everything, it did make sense to me to be like that. But it doesn't make you better than people. It doesn't. Yeah. One more note from Rowan right at the bottom. Um... Looping back to the yellow fruit scene and how Romana disregarded Leela's beliefs and vice versa, I really like how they resolve it all by saying that there's merit in both ways of believing and that it's wrong for one to disregard the other. It's validating to hear that my beliefs are valuable and is equally as important to remind religious people, and in particular Christians, that others having different beliefs to you isn't bad or scary and that we can live in harmony with each other. It's just a really nice resolution and it just makes me happy. Which, yeah, it's kind of what I'm getting at, but like, not as well worded. By which I mean... My thing is not as well worded as that. <laughs> the thing that sort of comes across in, in Rowan's thing is I absolutely don't have a you know yeah, I don't have a problem with people of faith, you know, and I absolutely don't have a problem with with, with saying that you know, I, I shouldn't be whilst I might not think it's for me, I shouldn't I shouldn't I, I shouldn't be so arrogant as to suggest that it's not that it shouldn't be for them. Mm. You know, all that I ask is, and there are obviously some, you know, some brands of, of, of every religion that is that are proselytizing and some that aren't. You know, all I ask is that people of faith are not so arrogant as to try and 
and convince me. Do what Romana does. Do, do what Romana does yeah. in reverse. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it's about being compassionate and about yeah. being understanding and open to new ideas. Yeah, and like Rowan said at the end there, like, they do kind of, you know, at the end of the episode, after the whole brain swap thing, it is kind of like, a, oh, you were right on both sides. And I do really appreciate that. Yeah, I think, like, even we have discussed a few sort of flaws of the episode. I think a few things that could have been handled better. But I think that the the overall message of it and the conclusion are, are very good. They are mm. very strong. And it's, it's well, yeah, I say they're good. I don't mean in quality. Like, I don't mean, I don't mean to say they are high quality. I mean to say that they are morally good. No, that's not. Positive? They, yeah, they're positive. Um, yeah, so together you should be stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it shouldn't be despite your differences. It should be because of them. Yes, yes. Uh, which uh, which a lot of people in in many situations, both religious and political, could uh, you know, do with remembering. Hey, all. This is Jane from the future. I mean. It's still the past from when you're listening to this, but compared to the rest of the podcast, it's from the future. And it's a deus ex brachina moment. So I'm sorry I couldn't be here with you guys this week. I kind of figured, despite the fact that Spirit is my favorite episode, probably, if I had to miss one, it was kind of the one to miss, because I don't have a lot to say other than, it's so gay and perfect. But... Listening to the podcast, I had a moment of podcaster privilege where you're screaming at the podcasting app of choice, and in this case, I get to actually jump in and say the thing that I was screaming, and it's this. I can't believe we haven't talked yet about the face of evil and how the very first thing we ever, ever, ever see Leela do is commit blasphemy and get kicked out of her tribe for it. And therefore, I think this casting of Leela as the religious one is at very least puzzling, if not a total misreading of her character. Sorry, Gallifrey production staff. For those of you who haven't seen The Face of Evil, we do know a fair bit about Leela's tribe and what they believe. We know that for example, the Doctor has become their their equivalent to a devil figure, or at least a demon of some sort, and that Leela is out there even before she actually meets the Doctor, saying, yeah, no, that's complete bullshit, I reject that utterly. We know that she is not the one to just blindly accept the things that she's taught, we have strong reason to think that Leela has rejected her religious roots, and it's not that she might not come back to that later in life. That's not indicated in any way in this episode. There is no statement of, yeah, I was a rebellious teenager once, I went through a phase when I threw all this off, and then I came back to it the longer I lived and the more I thought about it, right? It would, have, it would be a quick and easy fix to do that, but the last stated opinion we have from Leela on religion and spirituality before the Gallifrey series is in Horror of Fang Rock, where she's saying, and I quote, 
I too used to believe in magic, but the doctor has taught me about science. It is better to believe in science. Right? So we've had some talk about in this episode that I think is totally valid about science and religion not having to be opposed forces. Not having to be at odds and you don't have to pick one or the other. But I think this episode would in many ways be much more interesting if you flipped Ramana and Leela's perspectives, right? Ramana, as we see in this episode, we talk a lot about Helen and Melian and all the ways in which this episode is shining a light on Gallifreyan prejudices and ingrained beliefs that do not have a rational foundation. And to have Leela being the one saying, hey, you really need to examine the received truths that you have been given and not just believe everything you're told to believe um, would be really powerful. For her to reach a point of what I've just been saying of reevaluating everything that she was taught as a child and choosing to come back to some of those and choosing to keep throwing away some of those would also be very powerful, right? I think that Leela's perspective in general is shown in TV Who to be a lot more nuanced than this episode makes out, and I understand why you have to paint with broad strokes for the body swap plot to work. But I think it does her a disservice to paint her as having no doubts at all about this religious perspective that she, or spiritual perspective that she is espousing, when she very clearly does in established media. It's just very puzzling to me. It's the same impulse that leads to fridging, right? It's the Ramana's the character we want to have growth right now, and so we don't get to treat Leela as a full person. That's, that's an extreme way of putting it. But basically, I would love to hear more conversation about this. I would love to hear more input from all of you. But yes, I think my point is just of several unfairnesses that get committed to Leela's character by various writers over the years, I think that's one of them. The fact that she is not in Gallifrey acknowledged as as much of a rebel as she really is against the conventions of her own world. And I really have enjoyed in later seasons the fact that there has been some, at least a little bit more acknowledgement of where she comes from and what her life was before she got to Gallifrey. So thank you for letting me have my little tangent, and I will catch you all next podcast. There's a lot in this episode that's kind of like little almost like zoomed in character moments that I really, really appreciate as well. You know, we haven't really talked about the broken man a great deal yet. We haven't. It's, no. it's because I'm not emotionally ready for that. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like yeah. Jane was saying last, last episode, Spirit is a really great gaze on the date even if it's going terribly it's a really great really interesting fantastic character episode um and it's fun and enjoyable and even though they're bickering it's engaging and great and then all of a sudden it's like somebody flips a switch and it turns into like the most dark horror nightmare thing it's full of traditional imagery regarding bad omens so yeah so there's um so during the nightmare there's a comet and and um, and comets were throughout history associated as portents of 
bit of doom. And yeah, well, is that the sky's bet, exploding, isn't yeah, it? You know, it like... was, um, the, the moons are orbiting each other like they... Um, something about... Uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but they're orbiting each other like uh, enemies stalking each other. Yeah. And yeah. bets are the omen of great evil. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the great vampire thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I actually find that quite funny in a way. Like, it makes sense. Um, just... I just like the that you know a writer sat down and, and came up with it and yeah. must have felt very clever in that moment. <laughs> the Bayer Tapestry has very famously has a Halley's comet woven into it. You know, we can look up back on the on the Norman Conquest very far removed now and you know and, and why you know there were good things that sort of came out of the sort of end of the Anglo-Saxon era, but traditionally you know, that was that was seen as a you know as a as a portentous sign that the that the Anglo-Saxons were going to lose. And Leela's Leela's quite portentous as well when um when Romana finds her in the forest. She's quite I can't remember what she says exactly but you know but Is it the line about the moons? Or is that when they're walking by the sea? And that's by the when water? they're walking by the sea. You know, this is when Leela's been out for hours. Romana's gone to find her, and she finds a cooking a pig creature. Pig creature. <laughs> pig, pig rabbit. Pig rabbit. <laughs> yeah, and she talks effectively and doesn't talk in riddles, but talks in signs important. Sign signs important. So I, I quite like all that. I quite like yeah. the the fact that you know it's it's not sort of it would have been dead easy to just go. Hey, bad things are going to happen. I, I like the fact that they've used some more traditional devices to, you know, they've really plugged into that sort of go. Let's actually use some traditional storytelling techniques to foreshadow. Yeah. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this story. Yeah, um, I really like that. There's also just you know leaning into to the theme of the science versus religion belief. But more like science and tradition, isn't it? Yeah, science and tradition. But I was just thinking like the the shared dream that you have there. Yeah. I mean, when they come out, right? Romana has the the very sort of scientific explanation for it. Um, but there is also, mm. I mean, something like dream reading is is also a thing that's part of different sort of religions or belief systems, which yeah. is basically what they're doing when they're in the dream, right? Like they're reading, yeah. you know, the comets in the sky and the bets and and everything like they're mm. interpreting that in that way and then when they come out they have the whole oh well that herb that i can't remember the name of has hallucinogenic purpose uh, purposes no yes. um <laughs> properties i know what word i'm looking for sometimes my mouth just says something other than my brain wants it to mood when when she makes up the the compress or whatever it is the poultice thing in the morning after Vila's just like ooh, i told you i'm right mm. <laughs> it's so good yeah. Because she's just kind of like, oh, oh, did it work, Romana? Did it work? Did my not science work better than your science did? Mm? <laughs> yeah, and, and Romana deserves it at that point after absolutely, the, the yellow yeah. fruit conversation. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's it's a delight. Romana sees herself as the Imperiatrix in the swarm as well, doesn't she? Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's very much, you know, it's, it's too, too coincidental, you know, it's too... Yeah, this yeah. this thing is yeah, it's gathering momentum. Yeah, another thing as well, Leela's response to so like when when Romana's trying to figure out what's 
who the broken man is and everything that's going on and stuff. And like she's like, well, we'll just force regenerate him. Leela's response is his poor family, right? Leela's immediately gone to the emotional touchstone of like, what about his family? We ran into some technical difficulties and uh, Scar has had to leave for today. So it's it's just myself, Finn and Chris left at this point. Pandora's whittling us down. Yeah. Slowly. Who do we blame after season three? <laughs> um, Vampires? Brax? I think Brax. Honestly, it, you're always going to be able to break, blame him, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I do have a thing to blame him about, actually. Although this one's a positive one. When we've been talking about Leela learning Gallifreyan, one of the things that he says at the end of the episode when he's talking to Leela and Romana is he says something, Leela picks something up and he goes, syntactical analysis, Leela, I'm impressed. And it's not like a, oh, look, the savage got like, got something right. Like it is a genuine kind of like, oh, like, like nice job. Like that's a tricky thing that you've done and you're picking up on it kind of thing. And like Romana's like, mm, shut up, get stay on topic or whatever. But yes, more, more kind of stuff pointing towards the fact that Leela is learning Gallifrey and, and also that Brax respects Leela. Which is good. Yes. Yeah, and always has done. Another always. There will be a place for you with me always. Oh, I'm yes. sorry, just let me die of gay for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I highlighted a few things, you know, that I was like, you know, these are the things we have to get in probably in the episode. That was one of them. Yes. It's, it's, it's a wonderful line. Although Leela is still clinging on to the idea that that Andrew might effectively, and the whole leaf analogy, you know, you might actually grow back to be the, the person that he was, or, or that she believed him to be before. Yeah. The person who, who said, and I quote, the man who used to tell Leela that she was the breeze that fanned the fires in his soul. Yeah, I, 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 so I, cheesy. And I'm sorry, but Leela, you fell for that. <laughs> and also, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is back to the whole Andrew's weird alien fetish, but um, human women fetish, human women fetish. Yeah, just just can if you if you think back to Invasion of Time, Andrew. Can you ever imagine anybody fanning the fires in in that boy's soul? <laughs> he is a little bit wet. A little. It's um, yeah. Talk, talk, talking of, of of wetness and or not wetness, how, how fragile is Helen's masculinity and how? Emas- oh, incredibly! And, and how how emasculated is he, or does he feel by Leela? It's I know. Just, just, much. yeah. It's just. I mean, much. it's partly because she's an alien as well, but like, it, uh. it is, but much, you know, and just the whole, you know, with the broken man, when he says it's not a pleasant sight, and Leela goes way yeah. outside there. Leela's <laughs> response, glorious. like when he's like, "We don't know, like we don't know what happened to his tongue," and Leela's like, "I shall tell you which." Like Jesus Christ, Leela. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, it's just like Helen's sort of like, I want to be a macho man, you know, and um, and Leela's just like, really, you know, it's yeah. great. I love it. 
But yeah, he's just so... Oh, something Scar was saying earlier. You know, that we get a little bit of insight into... You get the impression that marriage on Gallifrey is not a regular occurrence and that when it mm. does happen, it's it, 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 it's ha- it happens for, as Helen puts it, the strengthening of the chapters. So yeah, it's, it's political, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's either political or or dependent if you um you know if you want to feudal family ties well or or if you want to believe in the whole moves are canon what do you um, mean believe it of course they are um, yeah. yeah we we believe that there may be some of our listeners that don't well they're, they're, they're wrong they're wrong they're misguided <laughs> but... Hey. When, when I said you could write into us, don't write into us to tell us that looms aren't exactly. canon because they are Please don't wrong. bring the loom discourse here. <laughs> so part of that, you know, when we talk about the strengthening of the chapters, or Helen talks about the strengthening of the chapters, that might be part of it because actually, you know, they need new uh, genetic material, yeah. uh, which we know we know that the looming of um, uh, of a of a new time lord is a very is, is quite a uh, a rare occurrence. Um, yeah. So there's that potential there, isn't there? That if if a chapter's genetic material is getting quite um thin on the ground, that you know there might be a a political marriage to to bring somebody in from elsewhere. I mean, war looms, come on. <laughs> are Sorry. we, in the absence of <laughs> Jane and Scar, are we just going to turn into a Looms Are Canon podcast? I'm pretty sure Jane and Scar are on the, on the page of Looms Are Canon as I well. I mean, I, I know. I'm going to put just, it in the group chat. I, I know they are, but yeah. still. Well, this is, yeah, we, we've, had many, we've had many podcasts within podcasts this week. We've had, um, we've had uh, uh, Learn Danish with Void. <laughs> Which I we've think had tangents about accents. Yeah, and, um, and and now we've got and now we've got looms cast. <laughs> All of which need their own jingles. Feel free to write it. <laughs> looms cast, looms cast. Everybody listens to looms cast. Loomscast dot com. Oh. <laughs> Don't forget to buy people cards on their loom day. Yeah. Can we get sued for this? I don't think so. <laughs> I think we'd need a few more people to listen to us for that to even be. Yeah. A, uh... mm-hmm. is, is this is the problem with doing a podcast about a very niche thing. It, the problem is that we're not getting sued. I no. <laughs> I think we have different definitions of problem then. <laughs> The problem is that we don't have enough listeners to get sued. There we go. <laughs> because again, so, niche. dearest listeners, please tell all of your friends about us so we can achieve our dreams of being sued. But you've got to get them to listen to Gallifrey first. Don't let anyone listen to this without listening to Gallifrey. Please. Spoilers. Okay? There's too many. Yes. Let your friends enjoy this for the first time without being spoiled. Because otherwise you are a rubbish friend. There, I've said it. I'll get off my soapbox. I know I say that like at least once an episode, but... What else did we have? 
one person cannot become many without consequence. Yes. I think, I mean, you know, he, oh, Alongside the Doctor was always many people in one. Yes. He's just like, mm. Mm, 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 chef's mm. kiss, it's so good. Yeah. They are really good words from Leela there, yeah. you know. And hey, you know, this is the gay episode or the gayest episode. Um, Except for enemy lines. Which is also... <laughs> Which is yeah. also part of this, isn't it? It's, it's a different flavour, though. It, 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 it's the whole... It's the whole thing of Leela doesn't want any Romana other than her Romana. She wants mm. Romana 2. She doesn't want Romana 1. She doesn't want Romana 3. You know, she doesn't want her to do what Angela's done and regenerate and turn into person into a person that she does not, she says, recognise. Cannot see Romana without seeing Romana 1, not with her eyes, not with her heart. Yeah. You just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although oh. also, like, Leela, please, like, address this trauma you have. Yeah. Because yeah. this is, like, a natural part of life for Romana, so. Yeah. She says that, you know, we're talking about the leaf analogy here. So she gets to the end of the episode and having sort of been in the in the jumble you know she sort of goes right you know i've i've been inside your head basically and and now i understand it a little bit more you may appear different when you regenerate but you will come back to yourself and that's something that you know that's something that we see in the tv series they usually try and make the point inside the first episode doctor usually has some sort of post-regenerative trauma but by the end of the episode they know who they are and you know and the audience is left in no doubt or should be left in no doubt yes this is the doctor anyway earlier in the episode Leela does kind of like really nail what regeneration is in like two sentences and i can't remember exactly what the line is but it's when she's talking about the doctor always being many people in one and it's doing my head in that i can't remember what the exact line is is it the one about shedding the face or something like that I can't remember. I've got a note that's just like, Leela, Leela, you are so good. Leela, you are so good. I mean, that's just a mood though, isn't well, it? Well, yeah. Um, and then in brackets, Leela just nailed what regeneration was in two sentences. Why can the rest of the show not do this? But yeah, it's not that she doesn't understand it is the point I'm driving at. Like, she knows what it is. It's just that what's happened to Andred is not, to her, the same. Mm. And also, yeah. I think Leela's probably been expecting to, like, for herself to die a long time before that happens yeah, as well. But she's not angry. like Leela's not expecting them to change because she knows that she has a much shorter lifespan. She didn't expect not to age. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So um, that's only really firmly established here in this episode. Yeah. You know, Romana actually like goes, Hey audience, Leela's <laughs> not aging. Yeah. Honestly, wish they like come back to that at some point. I know they do in season four but in the last few it's just kind of been forgotten yeah because mm. there's a point and... where they go off they go off gallifrey and she gets a she gets a white streak in her hair i can't remember where that is now it's um it's in season four is it it's an annihilation four? they mentioned yeah it. yeah yeah it's like oh yeah like narvin and narvin and Romano are like she's she's getting older we're worried yeah yeah, yeah exactly What's happening to our wife? Yeah. 
That's what Time War 4 is going to be. Yeah. They're all coming back to Gallifrey to get married. Look, I'm in denial, okay? <laughs> no, it's okay. I am also. Other points from this episode. Um, right when they're about to get in the sensory tanks, I keep wanting to call them sense tanks because that's what Leela calls them. When Melian leaves, Leela just very quietly in the background goes, night, night. And it is really, really cute. And I don't know why. Like, it just, it's good. And you can't, I am convinced that was not scripted. I was about to say, the reason it's probably good, in, you know, and and amusing like that is because it's probably not scripted. Yeah. It, that's probably just all Louise just going. Throwing it in, yeah. Being silly. And yeah. just kept it in. Yeah, it's just cute and good. Yeah. Like, in a kind of, like, sweet way. When the broken man turns up, Rassilon's ghost exclaims Harren, no, it's winter. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers! <laughs> we were, we've spent the whole episode not doing that. <laughs> okay, but I do enjoy our... We've spoiled other thing of, things about that episode and things about later episodes. We've just not mentioned that part. Because it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> we've also said it in previous episodes, though. Not specifically. I, I think we have, though. Either way. Um... Anyway, the last two things from from my notes are when Romana and, and Leela have eaten the pig creature, my note says Romana belches in dainty fashion. <laughs> <laughs> no, because she literally just goes, eh. You know, yeah, it's, I know. it's hilarious. Um, I mean, have you ever tried to burp on command? It's really hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, no, my mum doesn't hey. find it difficult. My mum can burp the, the Coronation Street theme tune and is proud of the fact. A, nice. a hill I will maybe not die on, but which I will stand on in some very <laughs> uncomfortable weather is the one that um, Romana is a vegetarian. Yes. And this is just a headcanon of mine. And I very much, on the one hand, I choose to ignore that she presumably, well, she ordered fish in. A blind eye. Which might be we don't a vegetarian. Uh, she's not in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, either... But I'm actually... I don't know. I haven't decided if I'm going to choose to ignore this one. Or if I'm going to sort of let you know she did it out of respect for, for Lila. Yeah. More likely. More likely. Yeah, and the only other thing is that... Um, when they're about to go into the sense tanks. I assure you nothing can go wrong, says Romana. <laughs> Famous last words, this is just like a blind eye. See, it is always a monster. Something is yep. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty much what I had. We were already talked about the whole Melian Hallen thing and the way she just goes, nah, Melian's not actually... You know, she's not bad. She's just basically uh, been had a pretty horrible thing done to her in terms of of her life. She she never even known her family. You know, and Helen actually says good at the start. It's, it's just absolutely yeah. It's 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 very insensitive of him. Oh, like you get that oh, you know, like he is so thinking bad. about it from like a a security perspective. Yeah, but you know exactly. that's when you might say something like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. For it to sort of 
at the end, you know, this is a character that you don't, you're not. So normally, a character like this would be a bit more sinister, you know, but actually, yeah, why shouldn't she do what she does? You know, why shouldn't she use use Helen, you know, as a means of escaping a life of servitude, basically? I mean, for me, it's like, I can completely understand what she did, and I totally understand why she did it. And in a narrative sense, it's very much a kind of like, I said this earlier, but like, showing sort of the contrast of Leela versus other characters, and Leela yes. being surrounded by people who are like this and people who yeah. are manipulative. Yeah. And then it there's just like Leela in the middle, so. and it's not just, oh, it's the Gallifreyans that are like this. It's like, no, lots of people are like this. And like, if anyone deserved it, it was Helen. And that dunk on him at the end is excellent. But also, oof, don't use people. Yeah. I mean, that is true. That, there is one point where I think like Melian gets very pushy about the kissing yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is also just... Um, as, as an ace person. <laughs> even, even without that, I mean, that's yeah. still... Oh, yeah, no. Not, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not good. Um, that's yeah, not consent. Yeah, sort of... I mean, hey, if she was, like, forcing herself on somebody who was, you know... Oh, I mean, Helen doesn't say no. Exactly. It's just kind yeah. of, like... Exactly. It's more that he says, like, he is saying we can't do this. Yeah. Um, Not saying that he doesn't want no, to, doesn't but want she's to. still pushing and, and no. no means no. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that, yeah, it, it's not quite as bad as... Yeah, it's it's not As bad. It it's be. just it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in narrative terms, it's brilliant. Like it's it's yeah. really well played. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, it's just like if these characters were real people, I'd knock their heads together. You know. <laughs> yeah. I I don't have anything else. I don't think. I think I'm done. I have a couple of like little bits. But you void. Uh, a few little things. Yeah. Do you want to go first or? Uh, sure. One thing I want to say about, right, so Leela's talking about how the broken man bit out his own tongue, and she goes, such an act takes strength of resolve. Is he really a time lord? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, oof, burn. Yeah. But also... Uh, yeah, that happened to him as well. Yeah, I mean, we've already said who it is, so I'm just yeah. going to say it. Ah, winter baby. <laughs> this poor child. Yeah. Just, uh, like, yeah, though he is brave and good and did not deserve what happened to him. Definitely not. Even if he did make some extremely poor choices, but that's next episode. That's next episode. It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't made any bad choices yet. I mean, this version of him has. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's also a point, like, you know, when they're in the, um, in the dream, right, like, um, because it's a winter in the dream, and, mm -hmm. yeah, um. Yeah, I only caught that one this time round, and I was just like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, Leela literally has a, a point where she goes, it is winter. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, um, the, the Torvald thing, uh, mm. from a blind eye. You know where he he says, I am God Commander Torvald? Yeah. Or, like, no, that's not what he says. He says, I'm a God Commander of Gallifrey. Yeah, Gallifrey yeah. And you're just like, 
You said the you said it and I didn't realise. Yeah. Let's see, do I have anything about we've talked about the homoerotic chair tossing. <laughs> Ramona um I'm, that's my um my headings are homoerotic chair tossing. Ramana, please chill. I know Gallifrey has none, but please find a therapist, Leela. And finally, the one I was looking for, questions, questions. Uh, where I have my last point. At the start of the episode, we find out that Brex is the one who suggested this holiday. And I'm just, I mean, I will say, sometimes Brex has foreknowledge, sometimes he doesn't. It is, like, it's not an unwise thing to do in the situation, given the threat to Romana and the, the threat of Pandora. But I think a part of me is going, how much did he know? I have a note on this topic. I would love to hear about it. When he comes along at the end and they're talking about it and they're saying, like, whoever sent this or whoever is responsible and Brax goes, or whatever. And it's just like, hmm, yeah. I think... I think Mr. Irving Braxiatel <laughs> might possibly, possibly know what's going on there. Just a little bit. Irving Ignatius Braxiatel. <laughs> Irving Disco Braxiatel. Irving Bastard Man Braxiatel. <laughs> I mean, I love him. He's just a terrible person. He is. He's, he's a great character. He's just not a good person. Oh, Romana... Sort of touches the um, the the broken man, and uh, and his mind. But we but we don't get we don't get the context, yeah. do we? Yeah, no, we don't. And no. it... I assumed that was because it doesn't work. Why don't? Because she's the like, con- there's nothing there. Yeah, that's that's my excuse for it not being there because the contact noise is the best noise in all of Gallifrey it, sound effects. And the, agreed, it's, it's one of the best noises in. In all, in all of Doctor, Doctor Who. Who, it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, how many cons are we doing that where somebody said the word and literally a, a table full of people, you know, or just a and just gone and and not in context either. Like somebody no. will just say the word in a sentence. Yeah, and then it's delightful. Just goes, <laughs> it was my ringtone for a while. <laughs> if you couldn't tell um we are nerds i know you may not have noticed up until this point but we are i i know we are nerds who play a tabletop role-playing game set on gallifrey like come on is there really is there any depth we won't sink to <laughs> to quote brax we are not yet so deep in secret deeds which is such a good line but yeah so like one of my things i wanted to talk about was like this is a political series, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very political backdrop. It's all about the the tricksy stuff that's going on. You know, like there's episodes where it's literally them just like arguing about laws and stuff. And against all of that backdrop, all of the important political stuff that's going on at home on Gallifrey, it's referenced at the very beginning in a three minute scene and at the very end in a three minute yeah. scene. And the rest of this episode is Leela and Romana. And it's such like a, a breath of not fresh air. But it's it's different. It's very different. Yeah, it, it's almost like it's calm before the storm, isn't it? It is. It's very much yeah. like the writers when like just can I let you all take a breath, you know? Yeah. yeah. I I did just it's have the, the top thought of the roller coaster. That, 
that if Gallifrey were an enemy, this would be the beach episode. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. The traumatic beach episode, but the beach episode <laughs> nonetheless. But yeah, the, the episode, like, it's that. You know, all, all of the, the character stuff aside, it like it is the like it's the top of the roller coaster. You know, you ain't seen nothing yet episode. We saw Narvin defending Romana against Darko, no less. And at the very end of the episode, the last lines, it's Leela coming to terms with the fact that she's staying on Gallifrey. Yes. Because of winter. I shall return there to avenge your passing. There will be a reckoning and then the titles. Yeah. It's very good. I could talk about the gay vibes. I say gay, I mean queer, you know what I mean. Like, we, we could talk about all of the moments in this that are incredibly queer for hours, but we should probably, if nobody's got anything else, talk about what happens next and the first the first little bit of crest in the roller coaster, because the next episode is one of my favourites. And I'm going to say that a lot for the next two seasons about yeah. the next episode being one of my favourites. But, but this one is extremely good. Yes. The cover, less so. <laughs> this is the time of moustache men. Yes, man. So again, Why? this is the only time Brex has ever had a moustache on any kind of official art of any kind. It's terrible. And yet, it was so influential. It's so bad. Oh, it is... It's the kind of moustache that you draw on a picture to make someone look silly. And the thing is, like, you've seen pictures of Miles and other things where he has, like, a sort of good-looking moustache. This is not one of those. If you've listened to this digitally or just haven't really paid much attention to the cover art, you should look at the cover art for 2.3 because, boy howdy, it sure is something. And now I'm so, like, busy thinking about the moustache that I can't actually think about what happens in the episode. <laughs> I'm not even I'm just, looking at I'm it, just, it's just in my head. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the moustache now. Chris, Chris, what, what, what are you looking forward to or terrified of in 2.3? Pandora. The simple, you know, important health and safety tip, kids. Automatic doors can be harmful. <laughs> Mind the gap. Mind the gap, yeah. Anything else, or is that it? <laughs> That's mostly it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, right. No, some actual thoughts that are not mustache related. <laughs> it is one of my favourite episodes, and it's very much because I like Brex a lot. Um, like, it's it's a good Brex episode. It's, it is also a good episode, full stop, though. I, What I'm saying now is, let me start over. I got distracted because I... Was busy sending the group chat a picture yes. of Brex's mustache, and it's like a cropped, horrible picture of Brex's mustache. Yeah, just just the mustache. That's right. Let me start over. What do I think about Gallifrey Pandora? I think it is a very good episode that I also have a lot of emotions about. This is a not very well kept secret. I um, I I am known to ship a little bit of Brex and Romana and this episode is, is very much a roller coaster for that ship. It sure is. Going from some big extremes. Um especially the first time through. Yup. Um the reveal of the broken man. It's been it's been seven years. I'm I'm still not over it. Who among us is? It's still terrible every time you listen. 
yeah, it is one of those things. Like, it doesn't get easier to listen to that scene. Even when you know what's coming, like, exactly what's coming, it doesn't get any easier to listen to. No. I mean, for me, um, so right at the beginning of the episode, Romana's like, Winter, here are the codes for the, here are the presidential codes. And I had to pause it because I was like, no, 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 no. And spent the rest of the episode waiting for them to realize. And it's kind of like that dawning horror thing where you're like, where you know what's going to happen as a listener. And like, you can't communicate. It's like watching a horror film. Like, you know what's going on and you can't tell the people in the thing what's going on. <laughs> it's a fab episode and I have a lot of emotions about it. I like the odd, you know, just the juxtaposition of having, of Leela becoming Tastaran at the end of, of, um, of Pandora is, yeah, yeah, that's quite a, that's quite a thing considering, you know, what's, um, considering that's put her in charge of, of the, uh, of, of the Chancery Guard, you know, it's, it's, you know, wow, what a, what weird position that puts her in, you know, emotionally as well as, as politically. So yeah, that's a lot of fun to see play out. Are we done? I think so. Um, but the recording's not reached four and a half hours yet. I know. What do? For now, I'm just going to read this thing. And the reason that I am talking is because I didn't think to open the document. I have a, a time waster if people want to do that before we do the outro, which is a question we got from Ma, who is Loombarrow on Tumblr. Go on. How do Gallifreyan taxes work? How do Gallifreyan taxes work? <laughs> is this a joke? Extremely poorly, I'd imagine, because that's how most of Gallifrey works. I always picture it as kind of like, they're really good at like making it sound like they've got a really great for everyone yeah. tax system, but how it actually works is like the Shabogans get taxed to death and oh, there's taxes, a million new poles. Ta- Sorry, I was... <laughs> taxis. Taxis. <laughs> <laughs> Quote guy like trying to get picked up from 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 the bar when he's like you know half cut. We've all tried to get on public transport at the end of cons. <laughs> yeah, we've just sort of going. Oh, is that streetcars? Can you go and get me? You know. <laughs> yeah, um, Gallifrey in <laughs> Texas is something that I mean, Gallifrey is built on classism and nepotism. Mm -hmm. So I'm absolutely sure that someone like Romana has never even heard the word. So like the British government? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're out there in House Artshaven, which presumably in this universe is also some sort of winery. That has been all from us for this episode. We were very delighted to have you. Follow us at Pod of Rathalon on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram to be notified as soon as we publish new episodes and for outtakes. We would love to hear any thoughts you had in response to our discussions this episode on any of those social media, 
and once again that is pod of Resilon on twitter tumblr and instagram you can also email us at thepodofresilon at gmail.com our next episode is coming up in two weeks and will be all about gallifrey pandora Mana is the president, and Narvin's loud in his descent, and Leela has wise things to say, and they all live on Gallifrey. Braxy is a garbage man, Castellan Winter needs a hand, and Ace is in the CIA, and they all live on Gallifrey, the shining world of the seven systems. Is apparently miserable. Thank you for listening.